Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we're discussing A Throne of Ruin by K.F. Breen. It's the second book in the series. We covered the last the last book in or the first book in the series last week. It was called A Ruin of Roses. So we're on book two this week. And this is an after dark episode. So we will be discussing mature themes like sex. There will be cussing. So monitor yourself appropriately. I'll start with our characters and Vicky will take off with our plot. So we don't really have very many new characters this week. Um I'll, I'll do just a brief overview for where sort of our, our characters are at right now and introduce the new one, and then Vicki will take up. So we have Finley, who is still the main female lead in our book. Uh, she has found the cure for the sickness that plagues the lands using the Everless plant. And she also possesses a super strong inner animal that lends her strength and magic. Her siblings are Hannon, Sable, and Dash. Hannon helps to serve as a nurse to her patients and is a super supportive older brother. We have Nefane. He's our main male lead. Still, he is the prince of the kingdom and also a dragon shifter. He continues to be broody and super attractive, but in this book, we see more conflict with him, with his inner animal who is desperate to mate with Finley. We have Hadriel, who is... Uh, the butler at the palace and is now Finley's friend. He is still a hot mess and super dramatic, but we start to see a little more character development with him. So he's a little more smart and a little more skilled than he seems. We have Leela, who is Finley's lady's maid at the palace. We have Jedrick, who is still the village jerk who wants to make a deal with the demon king now to force Finley to marry him because his masculinity is fragile and he's an idiot. And then new character, we have Dolion, who is the demon king. He's described as a man thing with two horns that are about a foot tall and extend from his forehead. He has indigo skin, pointy ears, a pointy chin, long hair, and a big nose. In terms of locations, this book takes place in Finley's village, which is a poor village that everyone, where everyone works together to try to help each other out. They have a good sense of community. We also see another village in this book. It has a lot more wealth, but the people who live there are greedy and hoard the life-saving elixir that Finley has made for the wealthier residents leaving the poor folks to die. And we also have the palace. So we continue to spend a lot of time here in this book. Thanks to Finley and her demon sex magic nulling elixir, the servants in the castle no longer feel the strong compulsion to have sex with the succubus and incubus demons that reside there. So there's a lot less shame sex. Um, Vicki, you want to take off with our plot? Sure. So this book opens uh, right where Ruin of Roses left off. Finley and her family have woken up to realize that uh, knife methane drugged them and ran off. Knowing that he was injured, Finley goes to look for him. 
While she is unable to find him, she does find some villagers in the woods who report that they saw him and took him back towards the castle. Feeling a bit better about the situation, but still very displeased, she heads back home. Her father is still ill, and Finley knows that if something isn't done, he will die soon. After using crowded Everlasts on Nefane to cure the poison, she decides to try and adapt it to use it on the sickness. She makes the new crowded nulling elixir, and it is given to her father. She's unable to sit around and wait to find out if she's killed or healed him, so she heads off to town. While she's in town, she first runs into her ex-boyfriend who taunts her about acting masculine and tells her that getting married will set her right. Finley brushes him off and goes to look at some weapons, and while she's looking at a fancy dagger, Jedrick shows up. He implies that she made some sort of deal with the Demon King and hints that he will make one too. He vows to marry her. Finley dislikes this and uses her alpha voice to command him. His fragile masculinity is hurt. And after enough time has passed, Finley returns home to see the results of her new elixir. Her father has actually improved, but only time will tell if it's a permanent fix or temporary. Finley knows that she needs to gather more Everlast leaves, so she heads into the forest. She takes some healing salves to leave for Nefane. When she gets there, she recognizes some smell, his smell and realizes that he'd already been there. And he has left her a letter, as well as a schedule, for when it will be safe to collect the Everlast leaves. They become pen pals, and the letters quickly turn sexual and flurry. When she writes to him regarding Jedrick and his possible deal with demons, Nefane tells her to be on her guard, and if approached by a demon, to act disinterested. Finley ends up needing to use this advice, because some demons show up at her house. They demand that she go with them. Things escalate, and it results with Hannon putting an axe through one of the demons and Finley chasing another into the woods. However, she doesn't do super well against the demon. She tries to break its neck, but isn't strong enough. Luckily, Nefane comes through. He kills the demon for her. However, they both end up losing control of their creatures and have sex. Afterwards, though, Nefane is like, we can't do that again, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he tells her that they need to fake her death. They make it look like the beast killed her and carried her off. They return to the castle and resume their previous arrangement where Finley is supposed to be an unwilling prisoner. While she is at the castle, she and Nefane work on ways to improve the possible cure for the sickness, as well as ways to distribute the regular elixir to the rest of the kingdom. Meanwhile, Hadriel and co. are working on the Queen's Garden. Things are kind of nice, but then a young girl shows up at the door begging for help. She says that her mom is dying of the sickness and she desperately needs help. Finley, of course, rushes to help her, but when she gets to this girl's town, she realizes that the rich people have been hoarding the elixir that she and Nefane have been distributing to towns. The poor in this town are worse off than her village. Finley is furious that the rich have been hoarding the elixir and the instructions on how to make it. She threatens the village leaders and tells them that they can pay for the elixir if that's how they're going to be. And Nefane backs her up 100%. He names her the royal healer. He goes on to warn other villages and towns that Finley means business and the people listen. Nefane and Finley have found a good rhythm at the castle. They work the Everlast, he clears the woods, they read together, they're intimate, things are nice. However, that cannot last. And when the enchanted rose bush starts showing signs of the kingdom healing, the demon king comes for a visit. So what happens? You'll have to read the book or listen to find out. Spoilers ahead. I love this book. Me too. It was so it, great. It was so great. It was just a delight to read. 
I really enjoyed it. Um, this was your, how many times have you read it at this point? Like three, two? No, this is only my second read. <laughs> I'm sure I'll read it again when the third book comes out, or I might just listen to the podcast to refresh my memory. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So the third book will be out next year, allegedly in mm-hmm. February. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. We still kind of have some of the Beauty and the Beast retelling elements, but I didn't feel it as strongly in this book as I, as I noticed it in the first book, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine with me. So it's interesting that you mentioned it doesn't seem like as Beauty and the Beast to you. So on my second read of this, though, I picked up more Beauty and the Beast themes than I did in my first read on this. Because there's a couple scenes where like people start kind of like, pushing Finley about her feelings about the fame right like mm-hmm. one of the uh villagers says oh but you like him right and um <clears throat> Hadriel says when she has that pregnancy um scare I guess um and ends up getting her period he's like but you aren't relieved you know you used to like hate him when he started like when you first came here yeah and I'm like, oh, they're pushing for that whole I love you thing, I think. Yeah. My second my second read, I picked up on that more so than my first. Yeah. I got that too, especially so after they have sex in the woods the first time. Mm-hmm. And he bites her a little bit. Like she's got some visible markings on her neck, I think. Um, and Hadriel's like, oh, did he bite you? Did he, yeah. did he bite you though? Did he? Did you mate? Did he he claim you? (laughs) Oh, this must be part of the curse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I get like, I mean, I get that they can't talk about the curse or thing or or they will die. It'll, they have that gag order and it'll kill them. But I wanted to like, I wanted to shake Finley a couple of times and just say, this is part of the curse. Like, I know. Isn't it obvious? (laughs) This is why would he care so much about the marks on your neck if it wasn't important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, that like ob- obliviousness to things that might be significant. I don't know. Well, like how Nathane freaks out about her possibly being pregnant, right? Yeah. And not taking the tea. And she's like, well, only true mates can like only your true mate can get pregnant or something like that. And it's like, wait, come on. Finley. Finley. <laughs> you're so smart why Just... would he be worried about this <laughs> and then his flimsy excuse of well I don't know all the details okay I don't lies. know all the details of the curse yeah lies. The details. Mm-hmm. he knows yeah no there were a few times when I just wanted to shake her um, although to be fair I think we've probably read more romance books with faded mates and everything yeah it's like that's our faded our favorite trope or something (laughs) yeah I do really enjoy that so we do automatically kind of have that I just hate it so but as part of that though that denial maybe that she's in that she could be anything more to him than just a side piece I think part of that goes into both of our our main characters seem to have a little bit of maybe damaged self-esteem or Mm -hmm. uh, a lack of belief in themselves and their self-worth when it comes to a partner, like either of them as a partner for the other. Finley says, 
several times. She makes several comments about her not being worthy of him or not because of the way that she was born and raised in the village that she grew up in, how she wouldn't be a fitting partner or mate for him. And she feels really insecure when they have dinner together. And Mm -hmm. he's like, he's doing like the bougie eating with the soup spoon, right? (laughs) She's very anxious and self-conscious about the way that she eats with him at that at that specific instance and also when he starts to talk about what would have been expected of him and a partner and what his father would have wanted I think part of it is her not feeling like she is good enough for him yes and he definitely feels like he's not good enough for her or that he will be her ruin Mm-hmm. as he often says oh he makes so many comments and I just wanted to say stop why are you why can't you just not ruin this moment <laughs> <laughs> I know he just uh, all the time like, like this super sweet thing just happened or something he's like nope I'll ruin you I'll be the mm-hmm. like I'll put you you'll end up in a cage it's gonna be terrible man just let us have some nice things for a minute yeah I know every at first every like sweet thing was followed by oh but you'll have to like go away like I can't enjoy this I can't get attached to you you can't get attached to me because you'll leave oh like I mean I get it you're trying to protect yourself but could you stop (laughs) yeah stop trying to protect yourself let us love you Finley does the same thing too, though. I mean, she, she also, that's part of the the conflict that she has with her animal is the animal. She wants Nefane bad and she is riding her hard to go after him. And Finley makes comments that are like, no, no, this is what crazy people do. This is not how crazy girls (laughs) respond this way. We don't need to do this. Trust me. I know. So she's been through something ex- like kind of like this before um, with her ex, who we find out is just a di- uh, dirt bag. Um, but I think that I think that we we see in both of our characters some of um, the effects of uh, maybe the effects of being raised in a small village, you know, with Finley. Um, that's surrounded by poverty despite all of her skills and her assets it's hard for her to see past the circumstances that she was raised in and because of that how she could be more or not that I mean not that her finances should make her unworthy of another person but we see that effect on her and then I think on Nefane part of his um I wonder if part of his feelings about Finley and feeling like he's not worthy of her relate to maybe, I mean, his feelings of failure and having let down his mother and his people by leaving them in the first place and sort of being the catalyst for the occurrence of the curse. Yes, I could definitely see that he does make this really um sweet kind of speech about um how he like 
he will be the one he will save like he couldn't save his mom but he will save finley here this is what it is i will not see another prickly rose torn out by the roots this time i will not take the easy road all the people i care about suffer and turn to dust this time if there is to be a funeral it will be mine and i will die happy knowing i could at least give you the chance at a better life i couldn't save my mother finley but as the goddess looks down on me i will save you so I think that definitely backs up what you're saying. He's got these feelings about he wasn't able to save his mother. Now he really wants to save Finley. Yeah. 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 They're both just people who've experienced some hard things. And that's tempering the glass that they see their relationship through. Yeah. And I think also with what Nathane has said about his father mm-hmm. as well. Um definitely affects this so he mentions that he was too sensitive for his father's liking even though he was like an awesome warrior he also liked gardening and stuff and so he's got that going on too maybe a little bit of inadequacy feeling that way yeah yeah agree or maybe just because of those those interactions that he's had uh, with his father and how they've influenced him. He hasn't been allowed to. And because he's been trying for the last 16 years to keep his kingdom from falling into complete ruin and patrolling the forest every night to keep villagers from being murdered all the time. He just hasn't had the space to nurture feelings like that, to nurture a sensitive side. And so what's nice about this book is we see moments where Finley, I mean, it's, it's almost like no, no, I was going to say it. it's like Finley gives him permission to do that, but it, I guess because he is comfortable with her and because she is, um, a very supportive and encouraging presence for him, he's allowed to feel some of those things that were undesirable in his father's view, maybe. So we see a lot more like emotional openness in the fame in this book than we did in the last book. We do. We see a lot of it. And I really love that. I love how open he is with um, Finley about his feelings as the book progresses. He just kind of stops like fighting it. He's like, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. He's so sweet. He is. I mean, just... He stops that he still has these moments, which I think is super funny because we've seen in this book, we get to see more of those, those sweet moments from him or just, uh, not broody moments was mm-hmm. not even necessarily that he's sweet all the time. It's more just that he stops being such a broody asshole and lets Finley do her thing pretty much. Yeah. There, there are times when she does things that he doesn't like and he's still a butthead but for the most part he kind of just lets her loose and I really I mean I just like I just like to see that I for them their their chemistry together their interactions together when he's not being a broody butthead are so sweet and good and they just pair with each other so well it's lovely to read they're a cute couple. They are. I love some of their flirty banter. So after they have sex for the first time, um, 
she makes this joke about him being a terrible lover and I love his response because he's like oh clearly you like hit oh man you know what I can't let me see what the quote was exactly so when their creatures come together the first time it is violent I guess it is really aggressive it is that so first aggressive. episode of penetration is like bizarre <laughs> so they he, yeah let's go ahead and talk about it he finds her and she's trying to kill one of the demons and doing a real bad job at it real bad job it's much harder to kill someone with your hands than she thought and so he kills her and there he kills the demon shows up in the nick of time and their demon or their inner animals are hot for it they want each other and so rather than finley's inner demon i want to call it an inner demon inner animal forcing her to shift and potentially killing her um, they decide just to have sex so there you go so <laughs> their animals come through in this this very interesting sort of first sexual encounter for them and i wish that so we get a lot of perspective from finley's animal Mm -hmm. and we we do finally get a little bit of person like of communication from nefane's animal i wish there was more yeah, I wish we had more from the fans because it sounds like their relationship is really funny too. It does. He calls him a prick a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish we got to see more of their interaction. But anyway, so they have this really aggressive forest sex, like on the ground, against a tree, in the leaves. <laughs> and there's this really fun foreplay moment where um Finley goes to give Nefane a blowjob and it is real bizarre. <laughs> she, like, she like doesn't completely open her mouth so that her teeth are like scraping across his penis. And then she's also got like his testicles fisted in her hand and she like <laughs> squeezes and twists them. <laughs> And Finley to her animal is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why? Because it's painful. Why are you doing this? And the reasoning is actually really sweet, even though it's very weird. Because her monster or not her monster, gosh, her, her animal is like, he, we want to make this painful for him. He wants us to make it hurt because when he, when Nefane tries to penetrate Finley, he is very well endowed and it's going to be painful and he doesn't want you to suffer pain that he's not willing to experience himself like how weird and sweet is that no it's (laughs) such a strange combination of being like like okay (laughs) like all right why not and then i love the aftermath um i guess his dragon didn't quite explain it to him as well as um uh, Finley's creature explained it to her because he asked Finley he was like what was that all about and she <laughs> kind of explains and he goes because he called uh apparently his dragon called him a terrible lover <laughs> yeah this is great he talks about his dick being scraped wrong he's like yeah you got uh-huh. you 
he got pretty toothy in there. Oh gosh. I loved that scene. I was like laughing and aroused. And fa- I mean, it was hysterical mm-hmm. and weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was so it good. Was great. <laughs> it was very different. <laughs> it was later in that scene. What else is so another part of that scene that's really great and that I enjoyed is when they do actually get to the part where they're having sex. And he, I think Nefane has been teasing her something up to that point. And she's like, nope, I'm going to do this my way. So he like is kneeling on the ground and she's on top of him. And she's like, you're going to be still. Yes. Oh, you are I love not going to do anything. You're going to be still and let me do what I want to you. And what happens is there's this really, oh gosh, there's this um, really spectacular quote um, where, and I think that you have it. Yeah. You have it as part of our notes here. So, um, he says, his dragon says to her, use me, use me. However you want, take what you need from me. I will stay strong until you are ready to get destroyed by my cock, <laughs> which is <laughs> hysterical to read out loud, but it's, <laughs> it's so hot when you read it. <laughs> It's so hot in the book, but the phrase get destroyed by my cock is hysterical to me. (laughs) If someone said that to me in real life, I don't know what I would do. (laughs) Okay. I need you to calm down a little bit and nothing getting destroyed. (laughs) Nathane has a way with words. Oh my, does he though? Mm-hmm. So he has, so this is kind of uh, around the same scene. So she's about to take uh, her underwear and use it to wipe off the blood of a, uh, the demon blood on her sword. And he says, so he gave this whole speech about how, oh, we can't have sex again. We can't do this again. Blah, 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 right. You know, and then it goes, I won't take you for a fool and pretend that I won't be dreaming of that precious little cunt wrapped around my cock or that I won't read the notes in that book you gave me and think of you playing the role of my heroine t- or the role of heroine to my hero. I will dream of that horse ride. So save those panties for me. Don't spoil them with a the demon's blood. I'll use them instead of you. It's like, okay. 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 I mean, uh, like uh, just the words that he says mm-hmm. are smoking hot. Mm-hmm. I heard this one. I might not get to keep you in the end, but I'll make sure my memory is etched into your body, if not your mind. <laughs> yes. But then me. the same with that comment, though. Like, why can't you just keep her? I know. Why you got to ruin it with, well, I might not get to keep you. Like, what if you did, though? Mm-hmm. What if you did, man? Yeah. His words are super hot. Yeah. I love, so we get to see more of those words come in with the letters that they write to each other. Yes. Right. So they leave each other little letters in the forbidden forest and it starts. So Nefane, I think is the one that starts off with the letters and he's like, I'm going to give you all this information and we can just keep it, you know, not, not about you and me. It's just going to be 
Like if you need to use the forest and get some plants or whatever, I can help you, but we're not, it's just going to be like platonic. Yeah. That lasted one letter. It lasted for one letter, a single letter. (laughs) (laughs) You tried so hard, Mm -hmm. but you're just helpless to resist, to resist Mm -hmm. Finley and her magic vagina. So, um, (laughs) the things that he says to her in his letters are super hot. I mean, just their letters are cute in general. I don't know what it is about letter writing. I think that we have, um, done ourselves a disservice, ourselves a disservice by not writing love letters anymore, but the things that he writes to her are in part really sweet. And then also in part really sexy, uh, and their chemistry comes through in their letters too. So at one point in the letter, he said he's apologizing to her for um, poisoning them. And he, he says, I meant to apologize before now, but our uh, discourse always resulted in fighting. And then your tits are pussy in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of one of the letters, he says, the end of this letter has come but not as hard as me the last time I thought of you. I laughed out loud. Like it's funny, but it's also very hot. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they start trading back and forth um, romance books and books to read and stuff. Yes, I love that too. Mm -hmm. Have you, does Tito, has Tito ever read any of the the romance books that you've gone through? One time I did read him a sex scene out of um, Lady of Rooksgrave Manor, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I read one out loud to him once. How did that go? He said the writing was bad, and I said he didn't understand what writing good writing was. (laughs) (laughs) I strongly disagreed with him. (laughs) And I think quite a few people who have read that book would also strongly disagree with his statement. Yes, yep. (laughs) I thought it was because so they have um especially in Hafane, his sense of smell is very good um and he mentions how he can smell like her arousal when she was writing the letters um and that's why he wants that book that she's read 18 Mm -hmm. times yep uh they mentioned like one-handed reading (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, I like that he's open to the books that she's recommending us to. Like he's giving her fantasy and action adventure books and she's recommending romance. I also like how defensive of Finley regarding Jedrick Nefane is in his letters too. He offers to bring her like bags of weapons and I'm, she's, uh, they're just, they're providing for each other. Yes, it's really sweet. When he mentions in one of his letters that he'll bring her like weapons from the armory, I like just imagine a dragon bringing like a, just all of the weapons. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to give her too many weapons in my head. This is what I'm picturing. She's going to have like, you know, way too much stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of those weapons, so Finley carts them back to her house mm-hmm. and demons show up one night and Hannon who you know I would actually really enjoy I think the story featuring him 
I think so after too. what happened in this book um he seems like really soft and sweet but I feel like he is probably like daddy dom mm-hmm yep yeah well he put an axe through what oh he's he great. did mm-hmm. he put an axe through a demon and Finley's like I thought you were the soft one nope <laughs> at one point he threatens Jedrick and he's like get out of my face or I'll make you my bitch I'm like okay okay <laughs> all right Hannah let's see that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I would love a book featuring him mm-hmm. and some kink I feel like the praise kink would come in with him yes how do we get KF Breen to write that I don't know I, I don't know KF I that Breen, book. write it please <laughs> please we need it I need it uh, <laughs> yeah so Hannon axes a demon and then Finley for reasons that neither of us understood nobody understands why even she doesn't grabs a sword and runs off into the woods never having used a sword before I... and it goes yeah. badly obviously because she's never used a sword before and she's like you just stab him with the pointy end it's like okay she grabbed that sword and i was like why sword finley that's not easy to use they're heavy they're unwieldy if you've never used one before i've never used one before and i can say i don't think it's easy to use she's skilled with a pocket knife why wouldn't you just get a pocket like no. basically any other type of weapon besides the one you've never used before yeah i was just baffled sister uh, i know she took the sword because it was pretty yeah and then I, she gets into that fight and she tries to snap that girl's neck or the demon's <laughs> neck. And she's like, why is this easier in books? <laughs> that was so funny. I laughed out loud during that scene mm-hmm. because she's talking to the demon. Like, if you could just stop struggling and be still so I can try to do this. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. What do I, do I smash her head with a rock? and her demon no not her demon crap her creature is like what are you doing just kill her (laughs) (laughs) much harder to kill people with your bare hands Mm -hmm. than finley thought so kathreen just writes such good humor she does write really good humor and i think she does some like subtle like shout outs to certain other group like or certain other fandoms because I am pretty sure that she made a Monty Python reference in this. Or it could just be me. I yeah. don't know. Um, so in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, there is like one of the sk- uh, skits or whatever is this prince who doesn't want to get married. And his father is like, why don't you want to marry her? She has, um, she's beautiful. She's rich. She's got huge tracts of land. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. said exactly like that. So then when um, Nathane asks Finley what he thinks that her perfect or his perfect mate would be like, she mentioned someone who's beautiful and rich with huge tracts of land. And I'm like, oh, I bet that's a thing. Now it's not said the huge tracts of land is word for word, but it mentions like, so she says like a dowry, someone who's rich and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, is this a Monty Python reference? It's like, I think this is. 
Yeah. I don't know. The series of events that led up to Finley needing weapons. Jedrick. Jedrick and James, her ex, both of whom are dirtbags and I hate. Yes. So, oh my God. So far, she runs into James, who says this. Oh, always the rule breaker. You think you can get away with anything because you're pretty. Someday you'll settle down, though. You'll have to give up your pants and craziness then. They're pants, dude. What is wrong with pants? Why do they hate pants so much? Never give up your pants. They've got pockets. Yeah, for storing things like pocket knives. Yeah. I don't know. Other knives? Pocket sand? Pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Pocket sand. (laughs) (laughs) She needs that with Jedrick. For real. Yeah, I mean, these people are just very offended by women wearing pants, which is dumb. I, I got so angry mm-hmm. reading As, this. Yeah. It's crap. She's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so offensive. He says, still dressing like a man, huh? And she says, have you ever tried hunting in a dress? Like, what is, I don't... It's these stupid people in their gender roles. I know. Well, because yeah. Jedrick, Jedrick especially pissed me off. So yep. this whole confrontation thing that they're having, he goes, I told you I would be marrying you. I'm a man of my word. You will strip off those ridiculous pants again with these pants and you'll put away your silly little weapons and you will serve your man with a smile and open legs. Do I make myself clear? Barf. Yes. Barf. Like what? <sighs> I don't understand. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody who can like help you out and hunt for you? Like, why is, why is her wearing pants and having weapons so offensive to you? (sighs) And then I love, so Finley's response is he's, or well, so then he threatens, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to have the demon king, like force you to marry me and force you to love me. And um, she calls him desperate, small and insignificant, which I just love. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And she calls him out too. Like, how pathetic mm-hmm. are you that you're going to go to the demon king to force someone to love you? Yep. Wouldn't you rather just be with someone who wants to be with you? Yeah. I don't, I guess it's a prize thing, right? Because she's the prettiest, she's the fairest of them all. Right. Yeah. In the probably a rejection thing. He's probably never been rejected for before. He feels entitled to her because mm-hmm. women are basically property to men in this book. Yeah. Well, cause she also says this, he's a small little man with a fragility issue and he can't stand anyone to make him look the fool. <sighs> That's just the worst. Ugh. Awesome. But I, I just love Finley puts like everybody in their place, right? Yes. So she puts Jedrick in his place. She puts Nefane in his place a couple of times. Mm-hmm. The demons, you know, she kills a whole bunch of them. The rich people in town who are, you know, taking advantage of the poor people. The demon king. She's just like putting everybody in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. And mm-hmm. I think part of that comes from her being, um, the way that she was raised so when she makes a comment similar to this too when you are poor and raised in a poor village people automatically underestimate you so i don't know what to expect from you but also i mean she got like zero fucks to give 
mm-hmm. right? So uh, she is just outstanding. She takes zero shit from anyone. And it's spectacular. The scene where she goes to the village to help the little girl whose mom is dying is mm-hmm. one of my favorites in the book because Finley is loud and aggressive and brash. She's also really smart and she understands people. And so I love that when she goes to confront the village council about them hoarding her elixir, that instead of being loud and violent, she hits them where it will hurt them, which is financially and with death Mm -hmm. threats and with the prince who will support her. I love art. Yes. I love that. Nathane is so sweet. You know, he backs her up a hundred percent and the whole thing happens to the villages and with the villagers and everything. And he tells her, you will be their savior and I will be your muscle together. We will cure this kingdom. That's so sweet. It is. He he goes off and he um, goes to the other towns and villages and is, you know, basically warns them like, Hey, Finley's, you got to listen to her. She's the Royal healer. You got to listen to her. And anyone who makes like a disparaging remark, about her he beats up mm-hmm. and it's just shows scary. any interest in her at all <laughs> right <laughs> yes yes that guy who he mentioned had lust in his eyes he was not he wasn't having any of that he like flipped tables and stuff he was yeah oh it was grand mm-hmm. um it yeah i just yeah they're real they're a good couple. They're very supportive of each other. Finley is very encouraging and she's just, she's just a good leader. I also like that she holds Nefane to accountability too. So he, she made all of this elixir. She made the demon sex magic nulling elixir and the, the one to cure the, or to, she's not necessarily curing the sickness at this point. Um, but to help people survive longer, basically, she made that, gave it to him, and he took it to the villages and just let them distribute it with their own sort of political standpoints in place. And Finley says, I'm so disappointed in you because he didn't make sure that the people who actually needed it the most were the ones getting it. And because of that, and because of the individual power structures in the villages, they were using it, they're hoarding it basically, giving it to the rich people, not giving it to the poor people. And I love that she calls him out. He tries to make some excuses, like they have their own little power structures and they barely let me do whatever. And I just want to be like Nefane. You're the prince. You are the remaining leading body in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Also, you patrol the area around the villages and keep the majority of the monsters out. Like you still have power. I feel like the curse and the burden that he's had to endure in keeping everybody, you know, from dying as much as he can has. I mean, I think it's affected his, his self-esteem or like his belief in his own power. Yes, I think he's also maybe a little concerned with how they would perceive him too, because he mentions, or somebody mentions there's a fine line between like dictatorship 
and stuff. So he doesn't want to be like it once this curse is lifted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's gonna need people on his side. And if he pisses mm-hmm. off all the village leaders, that's not good. Yeah. And uh, hey, hey, Hadriel. Yes. An interesting comment to Finley at this point as well, because Nathane has made her the palace healer. She now has a position of authority. And he says, leaders delegate. Yes. They're not, they don't handle all of this other stuff. So she's disappointed and I appreciate her calling him out, but he does put him in an awkward position with Finley being in that position. She can make all of these rules and say all of these things without it coming back in a negative way on mm-hmm. Fane, which is great. I mean, they're just such a good pair because her being in that role really does allow him to be the muscle. And then if he has to lay the hammer down on people for disobe- like disobeying, that disobeying what she has decreed, it doesn't look bad on him. She also makes a really great comment about the elixir. She says, it isn't fair to profit from people who don't have the money to pay when their lives are on the line. Living shouldn't come with a price tag. And I loved that because I feel like we see that a lot with our healthcare system. Um, medication for people who have like type one diabetes, for example, is insanely expensive. Mm-hmm. Or it has been in the past. I haven't looked up the information on that recently, but as recently as a year ago, it was very expensive to purchase medication for people who have type one diabetes. And that's not a medical condition that you can do anything about. And I just think about the people who have thing issues like that, where they have no control who die because they can't afford the medications that they need to live. And that's sad to me and frustrating and disappointing. Mm -hmm. Our healthcare system. There was an article that I saw about, you know, the healthcare system and everything, how a woman went to the hospital, she broke her foot and she ended up with like, you know, a crazy bill and the uh, foot, you know, they get like a specific boot. You got a boot. Um, Costs like $800 from the hospital. You can find it for like $80 on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tylenol. After you have a baby, they give you Tylenol like every two or four hours or something. Fifty dollars. Thing is, ibuprofen, but still. Mm, yeah, same. My when my friends have babies, one of my friends has had several babies, and she said, "Take all your own stuff. Take all your own pads. Take all your own whatever, because they charge you for anything that you take from the hospital, and it's expensive." Mm-hmm. It's stupidly expensive. So there's a blacksmith in the town um, and Finley goes and she's looking at all the pretty weapons and there's a nice sword and a nice dagger. And the blacksmith says that he made that with the idea because of the prince having it one day, the sword, and that the dagger is a companion piece to it. Because in the past, before the curse and everything, you know, they would have trade and stuff i mean he used to be able to sell and sell to royalty and all this and he mentions that all we have now are dreams so he he gives her the dagger but he holds on to the sword because he still wants um he's still holding on to that dream and i it reminds me of 
our very first podcast, the quote that you picked about um, what Farrah's dad says to her about hope. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there are hope in in real life is just an important it's important to have hope in real life in, mm-hmm. in general but i feel like that's a thing that comes up a lot of times especially when it comes to like survivor surviving mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of the books that we have read i'm thinking specifically of like the fever series right now but we've seen that come up a lot of times and i think it just highlights the importance of keeping a little hope even when the situation is bleak or not ideal yeah like you need something to hold on to and in this case for this blacksmith it's his sword that he wants the prince to use and he's also it was um he's one of the only ones in town who like still hasn't completely like the older ones in town who hasn't succumbed to the sickness yet Mm -hmm but he's starting to get it. So she gets to save him. I'm sure she'll end up saving him. Yeah. Because she has a cure. Uh, but he he makes some really nice comments uh, to her. That's kind of reassuring for her. He, he says, you're an odd duck. But don't take that as a bad thing. He says, you weren't meant to fit in here. And the day your mother asked me to make you your very own hunting knife, I knew then that you were different. Um. Just because you were born in a place doesn't mean you belong there. Your mother didn't have much power, but she was fierce and she came a long line of fighters. Uh, The power gene must have skipped a generation. It didn't skip you though. She let you be tough and wild for a reason. I loved that. I love that too. I like that we get an example of the people in the village actually seeing her. Yeah. We get the impression, I just keep interrupting you, we get the impression up to this point that Finley's gotten a lot of hate from the people around her for being different. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to see someone acknowledge that and not skew it as a bad thing. Most of the pushback that she gets is from people like in her own age group, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't really see that. I mean, she hasn't really had a ton of interactions, but the older people seem to appreciate her more because yeah. they know what she's doing. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Finley and her creature interacting with each other is hysterical. Mm-hmm. I, I love it so much. Yes. I love it too. And her creature is trying to get her to like provoke the dragon you know <laughs> so that he'll claim her and Finley's like no stop it and every once in a while her animal like beats her to the punch yeah. <laughs> like she'll say it was something like breed me Nefane <laughs> and Finley's like that was my animal and he's like I know go inside <laughs> she has to slam the door and he's like running after her <laughs> Can you imagine how uncomfortable that would be? Like if these words just burst out of your mouth, you slap your hand over your mouth like, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Don't bring me. <laughs> that <Yeah>. wasn't me. <laughs> oh, so funny. Mm-hmm. I like how the, 
her animal and Finley start working together at some point. So we see less conflict between them and more troubleshooting. Yes. They start working together near the end of the book to help Nefane reach like a higher level of power Mm -hmm. and kind of manipulate things, which sounds bad, but they're, they're kind of trying to provoke his dragon to get him to level up a little bit. So that he will be stronger because he needs to be stronger. I like, so you mentioned um, kind of using each of them using or feeding, taking his power and feeding it to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think of that. They have that scene in the, I want to say ballroom, but that's not right. I guess like the dining room. Yeah. <laughs> where she straight up fights Nevane, mm-hmm. like punches him, mm-hmm. elbows him in the nose. It's great. And during it, her creature is taking energy from Nefane and like uh, using her will and stuff to fight back better. But mm-hmm. then at the very end, she feeds it all back to Nefane so he can basically like overpower her. And Finn like, you betrayed me. <laughs> yeah. That was a great scene too. That was a really good scene. That was so also pretty aggressive. <laughs> a little bit like he's bleeding she- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but it was nice though <laughs> uh yeah i don't something with us i liked it i did too i wouldn't want it in real life but i like to read about it it's like reading it's like new kink unlocked <laughs> yep <laughs> uh speaking of sexcapades Let's talk about horse sex. Okay. So first of all, what they after they go to the villages and they start working to heal the people and Finley educates Marianne, I think is her name, one of the people in the mm-hmm. village on how to make the elixirs. Nefane is like, all right, we gotta go. And so they take off on a horse. And then Nefane is like, okay, we're doing this. And so in one of the books, one of the romance books that they've been reading together, there is a horse sex. They have sex on a horse. They don't have sex with horses. There is a (coughs) sex (laughs) on a horse scene. And Mm -hmm. Nathane is like, okay, we're going to reenact this, which I think is hysterical because I don't, just as a person who reads a lot of romance, Anytime there's a sex scene in my mind, I'm breaking down the mechanics of how this is going to happen. Do you do that? Yes. Yeah, I have. Yes. I also try to apply them sometimes. (laughs) So that, that, that meme with the lady where she looks confused and there's like all of these math symbols around her. (laughs) That's me when I'm imagining some of these things. Right. And Mm -hmm. I've read horse sex on horse scenes before. And every time I'm like, no. I don't think this is going to work. And so the way that they describe it in this book, I could see that the actual form of penetration may be happening, but then they like start to canter or like slow trot, I guess. And there's all of the penetration happening. And it just sounds like she's going to break his dick off. (laughs) It really does. I was very worried about either a penis injury Mm -hmm. Or like her vagina just being ripped apart. Mm -hmm. Cervical stabbing. (laughs) I'm very concerned. And so I was reading this and I wondered, is this an actual physical possibility? 
So I asked the internet and the internet says, no, I made a poll on our Instagram page (laughs) (laughs) and just said like people who ride horses, is this a thing that can happen? And for the most part, the answer was no, that will result in a penis injury. (laughs) <laughs> I had one person message me. Um, he's like, I don't think this is safe. Like, I think you're right. I don't think it's safe either. But I mean, this is not the first time I've run into horse sex. Mm-hmm. And then your sister. So our expert opinion here, your sister who rides horses said mm-hmm. what? So she said, she first was like, while it's moving. And I was like, yes. And I explained to her the situation, how they're front to front. And she said, she was like this is I want to say no but yes it would just be uncomfortable and difficult and not pleasing and then she was like also that poor horse like it's gonna hurt his back miss don't worry it's it's a it's an immortal horse it's fine and she goes that's even worse that means this horse is probably like oh there's somebody there are people having sex on my back they know what he knows what's happening really the horse <laughs> should just rear up and knock them all off <laughs> having sex but my sister is like when I described to her she was like yeah I guess it's possible just mm, you wouldn't want to do it and also it might hurt yeah. the horse well, what's interesting is in the book, Nefane is like, Nefane has her turn around and face him for mm-hmm. the sex on the horse. And he says in the book, they're not facing each other. He's penetrating her, the character, the character is being penetrated from behind. Now, but see, here's the thing. I could actually see this. So what if she's like, lean? I don't know why, like if you were here, I'm like acting this out. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, Leaning forward, draped over the horse, maybe? Yeah, like draped over its neck. Kind of. Maybe kind of like a doggy style? Maybe. I don't... But again, really uncomfortable. I can't imagine a horse tolerating this. Uh, There's another... Well, I mean, just like all of the... All of the scenes Mm -hmm. are a delight. Uh, The one where they they have like a date mm-hmm. so it's nefane's night off from killing monsters and they decide they're gonna have a date he's gonna take her down to the salon shave off all her pubic hair <laughs> they're gonna have dinner <laughs> and then they're gonna have sex in a swing and the swing sex is outstanding it is. Let me just say, one of the things that I really like about the sex scenes in the series so far is that they're long. Yes. They're long. They go on for a while, which I really appreciate. As do I. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agree. I appreciate several things about these scenes. They're not, there are some situations where I'm suspending reality a little bit. Horse, horse sex, for example, being mm-hmm. lifted by a vagina, for example. But um, she manages to work in some things that are like real life things. And I appreciate that. Like she talks about, so during the sex swing scene, uh, Finley is penetrated anally with like a vibrator, I think. Mm-hmm. And she comments about how the vibration disappears 
and then reappears, but presumably has been cleaned off at some point, right? So, mm-hmm. the, so we're, we're addressing things that are important in these scenes, like the idea that something that has been in an anus should not immediately go into a vagina because that's how you get infections. Yes. I love that. I know. I feel like she, I feel like she knows us and she knows that this is. <laughs> I mean, something. little things like that will take me right mm-hmm. out of the scene. Same thing with the same, uh, they eventually end up having sex on the floor and she makes a point of note, like that the floor is tiled, but that it's warm. And I really appreciate that because otherwise I would be reading this and going, oh, that floor is probably so cold. Yep. Instantly clinching. Like mm-hmm. it's she knows. little things like that. Yeah. They just take you right out of it. So I appreciate the attention to detail. Mm-hmm. So during this whole, their whole date, it's talked about how Finley actually had um, experimented with a girl in the past. And one of the things that I like about her story is that it's so awkward. <laughs> it didn't go well. Yeah. Like, you know, and then she has this realization of, oh, my God, I was the total jerk in this situation, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She didn't reciprocate well. Mm-hmm. It's horrified yep yeah yeah and I like that instead of it being this like I mean and it was erotic and everything but like it you know there's this it didn't work out on my end at all I was I was bad at it yeah well I feel like that's pretty true to life too how many people are really good at oral sex the first time around right (laughs) for most people those first encounters are fumbling and awkward Mm mm-hmm get a nice little true to life there element too yeah oh and then there was that voyeurism scene oh my gosh this one was amazing I'm sorry talk about it so Finley is in the library and Nafane makes it very clear to her leave after an hour because the demons will come out so you need to leave and she's like yeah sure she stays for two hours and while she's there some people come in, two men and one woman, and they proceed to have a threesome. And she's watching and she's getting aroused. And so she starts touching herself and it's a sexy scene, right? She's describing, she's like, I wonder what this would feel like, you know, and it's descriptive of like, you know, what's going on with the woman. Um, and I just love how Fane comes running in and he's like, everybody out, where is she? Thinking <laughs> that, you know, some demon has got her. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'm right here. I'm sorry. I was, I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah. Uh, there's this like fine line moment where she's like, I could pop up now and say something like nothing has happened, you know? <laughs> and then yes. it's like, and then he pulls her dress down and she's like, well, now there goes my chance for like a less awkward exit. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. Too late. Guess I'm, guess I'm invested now. Yeah. And there's this one part where it goes, uh, he groaned, she groaned, I groaned, we all groaned. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's just so different. I feel like from like, I don't think I've, have I read this before? Like in another book, I don't think I, this is not a common, like, 
erotic scene that people write I feel like at least not that I've read so I really enjoyed all of these different I guess sexual encounters that happen so I really appreciated Hadriel's character growth I love him I do too he's one of my favorite side characters ever I think Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, he's hysterical. His comments are so funny. He's just very casually like, lick rust, eat Mm -hmm. glass. And I love that. It reminds me a little bit of um, David from Schitt's Creek. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could see that, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, This Hadriel is certainly a lot less together than David, but still. That's those comments remind me of him a little bit. He, I think, has really come a long way in this book compared to how we saw him in the last book. Mm-hmm. He's very much uh, in the mindset of seeking mediocrity, not trying to just trying to stay alive, which t- totally makes sense, given that everyone, you know, is in danger of dying. But uh, when this book, we see him devote a little more effort and energy to helping Finley to tending to the garden that she's redoing to he gets really amped when he can see people actually getting better after using her elixir and um, he helps her come up with a plan to save the kingdom basically Mm -hmm. which I love he's so I think that there's a lot more to him than we're allowed to see just because he's um, keeping his assets hidden to stay alive. And so we get to see some of that come through near the end of the book when he says to Finley, I'm not allowed to play chess anymore. And it's not because I'm bad at it. It's because I'm too good. What is your plan? Yep. I love that he helps her and I that she has this... Um kind of accomplice now sort of somebody who can help guide her with this because I mean Nathane was not gonna he's he wouldn't have I don't think been able to help as much <laughs> as Hadriel he would have been too ruled by emotions because mm-hmm. Dragon would have freaked out which yeah. he did do anyway but yeah. I love how clever they are um with what they come up with because they trick the uh, demon king into giving them exactly what they want, right? So at first she asks, oh, we'll heal the sickness. And he's like, oh, no, I'll just, I'll release the shifters instead. So, yeah. By making him think that what they, they're not getting what they really want. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I love that they come up with something. And I was like, yes, Hadriel. Yeah. They're able to work together. Yeah, I mean he—he's more than mediocre. He's an asset. Mm -hmm. He really is. But he's also so funny. So like, at one point he says, "Goddess, spread her thighs and squirt." This is ridiculous. (laughs) Or he mentions that Nefane is the prince, and then he like pauses and he's like. You knew he was the prince, right? You figured that out. I can't remember what stop we're on and we're on in the drama train. I'm not good at secrets. They give me indigestion. 
he's just great yes and I think he ends up with a new like dedication to Finley after she saves him and kills those three <laughs> demons for oh him. yeah man that scene was so good the way that she and her demon work together demon monster creature ah the way that she and her creature work together to destroy those demons mm-hmm. brilliant and she she lifts one above her head and throws it out the window <laughs> <laughs> it's the rage mm-hmm rage i also kind of like that she tasks nefane or she tasks hadriel with taking care of nefane kind of while she's gone kind of making sure that he stays yeah on point on task well because he's gonna have to sad right because he's gonna have to go through and take all of the like shifters out one by one right release their animals one by one So, yeah, so he has a big job to do Mm -hmm. and he needs someone to stay on top of him. So I like that she tasks Hadriel with that. Yeah, especially because poor Hadriel, he he mentions how um, his bowels get watery Mm -hmm. around Fane. He's going to have to toughen up a little bit. He is. He's going to have to make the fame because... Nefane's dragon is going to definitely want to go after them. Yeah. So We've kind of talked about how Nefane has come a long way mm-hmm. and is really, I mean, he just has these really sweet moments. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments with them is when she is really upset because she um, starts her period. So she's not pregnant. And she gets real down on herself in that moment. She thinks that he's going to reject her and he's only been nice to her because his dragon thought she might have been pregnant. And he is super, super sweet to her and she's pissed off. And he says, they can feel everything the other person is feeling through their bond. And he says, why didn't you come to me this morning? Mm. And she says, I woke up with you. What do you mean? And he says, when you found out, when you felt the loss and the sadness, why didn't you come to me for comfort? Yeah. He's come so far. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't been allowed to nurture and express those sweet and sensitive parts of himself. Yeah. And I also, so he says that that was so sweet. Um, he also mentions, so the demon king, right? Um says that he's deferring Nefane is deferring to Finley and she's like whatever brushes it off sort of and when he goes he goes he's right I defer to your judgment because I respect and honor your place by my side Uh, (laughs) he's so uh, sweet (laughs) and he just got sweeter as the book got towards the end I feel like so of course makes it even harder to part with him Yeah. Oh, I just love them. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. They are. Finley is ferocious near the end of this book. Yes, she's such a she badass. Makes, yeah. So Dolion, the demon king, shows up and she is super unbothered by his presence. And it is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But she makes a deal with him 
where she gets to kill any of the demons that bother her if she'll keep Nathane from trying to murder the demon king. And so the demon king basically sets up this situation for her to be attacked. And she murders with such skill. Mm -hmm. It's delightful to read. She slices off a giant penis. <laughs> and it takes <laughs> and it takes him a second to realize that his penis is gone and then he starts freaking out yeah. I love that. she also um, manages to use her will in a new way where she's able to physically lash out with it and like disembowels a woman that way right mm -hmm. I think or shreds her or something yeah she can to. make like a shield with her will and injure people mm -hmm. without actually having to touch them. Yeah. And I thought she purposely provoked them and she starts going, I don't consent to being touched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <And then> they... <laughs> it's great. Yes. Yeah. That's super funny when she's trying, cause she's so clever, but she's trying to figure out ways to get them to attack her. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, the deal, the, the arrangement that I made didn't say anything about me punching them. So she starts to like not kill, but attack mm -hmm. them. So they'll attack her so she can start <laughs> killing them. Mm -hmm. It was great. It was great. Were you expecting Jedrick to show back up at the end? I knew things couldn't be over. I actually, I wasn't sure if um, Nathane had killed him or not. Yeah. And then he showed back up and I was like, I guess Nefane didn't kill him. I was like, Nefane should have killed him. Um, have. Yeah. Because I was very, very worried about him. Mm -hmm. um, he was going to be a problem, so. Yeah. <sighs> and he was. Uh-huh. Did you expect him to show back up? I knew he was going to have to come back and be in the book at some point. I wasn't necessarily expecting him to pop up right at the end of this book, but I knew eventually he would make another appearance. Mm -hmm. oh, he was I too problematic. That. He was too problematic to just disappear. So, mm -hmm. And I hate the deal that he came up with with the Demon King to make Finley marry him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what a jerk. He just casually is going to give away their firstborn child. That was, I love the Demon King's reaction to that, though. Being like, what am I going to do with it anyway? Yeah, babies, ew. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. He's such a jerk. Mm -hmm. ah, yeah, I hated him. But I did love that Finley's perspective on it was like, I'm just going to make him miserable. Yep. Yes, it's a good perspective. It's not so bad. She's like, if this is the, if this is a nightmare, it's like the best nightmare. Like I'm living a nightmare, but this is the best version of the nightmare I could be having. I think is what she says. And then so they make their arrangement with the demon king and Finley has to leave and um, he is going to release all of the shifters. Mm -hmm. And that night before she leaves the next day. Nefane finally claims her and I felt so victorious it's like well, why didn't you do this sooner <laughs> I know it took them so long yes 
And then he wouldn't let her claim him. Mm-hmm. Or and we don't find out why. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they wouldn't imprint. Because that would be the end of the world for them. Mm-hmm. But after she leaves with the demon king, she reads this letter that he wrote to her. And like a billion secrets are revealed. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Uh, were you surprised by any of the secrets revealed? I freaking knew she was his mate. Yeah. There was no way she wasn't. I knew she was his mate, which meant she had to be a dragon in some mm-hmm. form. Right? Yeah. So um, I was, that was more just like validating. Like I was right. I yes. knew it. I knew it. And then I did like how he points out um, when he's calling her princess. He's not be like, it's not just a, a, a term of an endearment or an affectionate name for her. She's literally his princess. Like mm-hmm. she is the, with how talented she is. She would have instantly been like an option for him to be for someone to be with him. And um, so I loved that tie in. Yeah. Oh, and then he tells her that he loves her. I'm like, why couldn't you do this in person, sir? He did. Did he? Oh, yeah. yes, he did. That's yeah. right. He did. She didn't. Yeah. She never got a chance to tell him. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because, of course, falling in love would break the curse, so she can't say it. Yeah. You know. Oh, so even oh, though she. But I do hate that even at the end, he's like, I mean, I may not even be here for you, though. I may be dead or something. Or like, oh, man. Yes. That whole speech that he gives uh, to about like, you know, you'll never like it'll be really hard to find somebody who's more alpha than I am. So it might make it really hard for you to find another mate. And she's just like, oh my God, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm coming back for you. <laughs> Let us have this. <laughs> no. We can't have nice things. We can't. Nefang keeps ruining them. Mm-hmm. I do like that. Uh, so this happens at the uh, that scene where they're physically fighting. Mm-hmm. So Finley and her dragon don't know how to claim, but she does like take a chunk out of his neck, mm-hmm. and he's and she's like, "I can fix that so it doesn't like scar." He's like, "No, I want to keep it. <laughs> like it may not be, you know, a proper." I guess uh claiming but it's a mark and he wants to keep it and I was like yeah all right so this book ends with Finley and Jedrick on their way to the demon king's house also Mm -hmm. unanswered question the demon king like really casually mentions some random council and seats on it that Finley knows nothing about yeah and we also know nothing about yes so I'm sure the next book we'll learn a little bit more about, I guess, the politics and what's going on in other kingdoms mm-hmm. right now, which will be good. Yeah. It will I'm be good. If the next one might be dual point of view at all. Oh, I hope so. I hope so too. Please. Because I'm definitely going to want to know what's going on in, you know, with Nefane. Mm-hmm. way too much suspense I don't know yeah 
Yeah. So I guess that'll be the next book. I guess I'm assuming we're going to find out more about the demon mm-hmm. king in the next book. He makes a comment about how he's not even the worst thing out there, which makes me wonder what gets worse than that. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that. Also wondering if maybe he doesn't actually suck. He just like wants to do what's right for his people who are awful sex demons. We'll find out. That would be a good twist. Kind of thing. I guess we'll see. Mm I guess we'll see. Gotta wait till February though. Hopefully she'll release it earlier. Then do our quotes. Let's do our quotes. Okay. So I have one that Hadriel says. During the one of the evenings, um, there's a demon and a woman having sex, and the woman basically tells the demon that he's bad at it, and Hadriel gives him some advice. And he goes to the demon, she just said you were shit at fucking. Don't you want to take notes from someone who doesn't like girls but is still better at fucking them than you are? That's an ego blow, my boy. A serious ego blow. <laughs> I love that because the woman that the demon was with would rather like switch over to be with Hadriel. Yes. Mm-hmm. That scene was hysterical. It was because it <laughs> Because then the demon goes to Finley, like, I'll fuck you. And she just goes, I heard you weren't very good at it. Mm-hmm. And then he tries to grab her and then she murders him. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So one of my favorite quotes um, was the comment that Vicky brought up earlier. So uh, Finley makes a comment to the people that are helping her renovate the garden that she's working on or redo it. Um, that she just has run-of-the-mill gardening gifts and one of the people says those gifts are still magical some gemstones are created from the crush of time buried deep in the bedrock they grow stronger to resist the temptation to turn to dust under the weight when they finally emerge they are as strong as they are beautiful you are such a gem I should think your best magic isn't going to be in the books Miss Finley your magic will write the books to come. I really like that. I highlighted that too. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a really good one. Uh, I also like this comment that Nafane makes. He says, give a smart woman a library and then stand back because Finley is a genius. She's just so clever. She's used the books, the things that are I mean, even in the last book, that's how she figured out how to use the Everlast books and experimentation. And it's the same in this book. She's used the very large library that she has at her hands to figure out things that maybe Nefane and Hadriel can't talk about because of the curse, but that are important. So also, I just love libraries. Let's do our final thoughts. Okay. So I loved this book. I loved the sex in it. I loved the banter between all the characters. I loved the relationships. It was just great. And I really want the next one to be out sooner than February, but that's just me. What about you? I agree. I was surprised by how much enjoyed I, I how much I enjoyed this book. It was very entertaining. I laughed the 
the um, romantic elements were lovely. I just really enjoyed it. So I'm very much looking forward to the next in the series. And very much, I mean, I, I, we talked about this a little bit last time. I've read some of K.F. Breen's other books and really enjoyed them. But this one is just knocking it out of the park for me. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that wraps up The Throne of Ruin by K.F. Breen. Uh, join us next week. We will be talking about something. We will talk about Pestilence by Laura Thalassa. It's the first book in the Four Horsemen series. We just talked about death, the last book in the Four Horsemen series a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to circle back and start with the first. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.